The Lord be with you. And we are going to take a further look at what we looked at last week, which is in Ephesians in chapter 5. So just let me refresh your memory by reading the verses. Uh, And they fall right in the midst of when Paul is speaking of being filled with the Holy Spirit, which in the New Testament was the norm of the Christian life. Okay, it says in verse 18, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual or Spirit-given songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we looked at that second text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and again in verse 18. Well, let me include verse 17. Why not 16? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We are looking at this phrase that is is throughout the New Testament, the giving of thanks, which we have seen last week, is the New Testament word that sums up all of those words in the Old Testament for praise. And if you read through the Psalms, there are so many words and so many words that are just slightly different to the next one. Reflections like a diamond with with many facets. And they're, they're all really saying praise, but in their own way. Well, in the New Testament, it comes down to this word, giving of thanks. And always in the minds of the people of the Bible, giving of thanks was not primarily saying thank you. And I know I spent time on that last week, but I have to emphasize it because the more I listen to believers, the more I hear them saying thank you for doing this, thank you for doing that when they speak of the Lord. Their their praise is more a testimony, which is, there's nothing wrong with that for sure. But when we come to giving thanks, it's always addressed to the person, that is, to God the Father. And in addressing him, we are saying thank you for who you have revealed yourself to be. Thank you for all that your heart of love has promised and covenanted yourself to be. We we are getting beyond the gifts to the giver of the gifts. We are getting beyond what he has done to who he is, the reason for what he has done and the reason for what he always will do. And, And so that's of supreme importance. Now, let me say this as we come again to this word. And I want you to listen very carefully. The giving of thanks or praise or worship for all these words are but facets of the same idea. It is the highest, hear me, 
It is the highest expression of faith. And it is the highest form of service to God. Now that, that's a big statement. Because I meant every word I said exactly as you heard it. The giving of thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that is the highest expression of faith. And it is the highest service that we give to God. It brings us to the place of rest, peace, joy, that you read of in the New Testament and sometimes in the Old Testament and wonder why you're not there. And, and I'm coming back to this, this little tiny phrase, the giving of thanks. And yet as we pursue that through the scriptures, we realize this is the highest expression of faith, the highest expression of my service to God. And it brings me to this place of perfect peace the joy of the Lord. Hold that in mind as we continue to look at this. You see, the giving of thanks, if if what I've just said be true, the giving of thanks is not merely that I'm having a good day and I'm feeling good and I feel like saying, thank you, Jesus. No, no, no. That is not what I'm talking about. The giving of thanks as you read in the scripture, is not the expression or the reporting of my feelings. My feelings, they're always changing because my feelings are feelings that are reporting my perception of what's going on in life right now. And so I look out at life and what I see and how I perceive it produces feelings. And of course, therefore, they're always changing. Sometimes they change about the very same thing. That is, that which made me glad uh, an hour ago is now making me sad. We're weird people, you understand. Now, understand this, that the flesh, that which the scripture speaks of as the flesh, my mortality in its state of chosen separateness from God, my flesh, uh, my humanity in rebellion to God, feeds on feelings. The, the flesh, it, it, it forever is finding its, its life in believing my feelings. If I am going to live this life that is reported in Scripture, that is in Christ Jesus, I leave feelings. Feelings can only return after I have moved from feelings to faith. And that's what this giving of praise is. Remember I said the giving of thanks, the, the giving of praise is the highest form of faith. And, and, and therefore it is the polar opposite of feelings. And it's, as a sidebar, it's my feelings where Satan has his foothold. It's, it's when you feel 
down. It's when you feel all that other spectrum of negative feelings that Satan has the ability to lie into you and pull you down. Feelings. No, we're not talking about feelings. Even though when we give thanks, as I said last week, that this word expresses often in clapping and even dancing and the raising of hands and rejoicing. Yes, I said feelings can return after they are not connected to merely what I perceive, but they are now being drawn after faith. So it's not a feeling. Giving of thanks is a heart choice. I say heart. It is not something that is intellectual. Again, you're back to feelings. You, you, you are perceiving and you're, you are believing what you are seeing. And, and then you have certain feelings. No, this is a choice that is made from my heart where I believe through Jesus Christ in the Father. My heart choosing, my deliberate, my intentional, my against my feelings choice to declare the glories of this unchanging God. See, put it this way, the, shall I say, the times... Uh, maybe I could, uh, the times we live in. Uh, maybe I should say the content of all things, where, where it says here we give thanks for all things. Or the Thessalonian text says in everything. Well, the content of our times, the content of the hours in which we are now living, the content of all things that are in our lives, the, the content of everything that happens to us, that, that does not dictate or direct our thanksgiving. We are praising the one who never changes. Our times, they ever change, especially if you've lived as long as I have. The, the times are always changing. The content of my everything is ever changing. Our thanksgiving is anchored in, dictated by, directed by the unchanging Father who is love. Now, let, let me... I've been saying it, but let me now emphasize it, that it says that we, we give thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in Thessalonian text, it says, um, in everything give thanks, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. It always links the giving of praise to being in, joined to Jesus. And always it is in the context of the actions of the Holy Spirit. So what am I saying there? Another not. This is not positive thinking. Now, you may not have thought of that, but there are 
too many who would present praising God as a sort of holy positive thinking that, that uh, you know, sort of cheer up old chap, He's, things will get better, God's on the throne, hallelujah. Well, yeah, those words are true, but I don't believe they are what it, it is a thanksgiving. There's a vast industry of positive thinking. Just say the things positive. Think positive. Well, no, the, the giving of thanks to God can only... Now, here again, this is... Giving thanks to God can only be accomplished in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or the other way puts it in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. This isn't just or popping up with some good words about God. It says you cannot give thanks unless you are joined with Jesus Christ in his name or in Christ Jesus. And that experience of being one with Christ is because the Holy Spirit has joined you to him at your heart. Or to put it maybe in super simple language, only a believer who has confessed Jesus Christ is Lord risen from the dead. Only such a person can praise God. Why on earth is that? Because, you see, in being joined to Jesus, I have been crucified with him. I have been buried with him. I have been raised with him. I am ascended and seated with him in heavenly places. And you see... It takes being crucified with Christ. My flesh, my mortality that would divorce itself from God's love, my mortality that says I am the center of my universe, the the mortality that believes the devil's lie that you shall be as God. Jesus took that to himself and in his death he assigned it to death and rose again that we might be now free from that tyrant of the flesh and of the lie of Satan behind it. And we might now live as children of God. The mark of the flesh is unthankfulness. The mark of the believer is this thankfulness. A thankfulness that only comes to the heart and leaps to the mouth and comes out through a worldview and attitude because you have recognized the flesh crucified. That is not the way. No, I say amen crucified with Christ. My life now. Christ is my life, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so to such persons, believers, you and I, these commands come. Note commands. Not not if you're having a good day. No, not if you feel like it, but a command. 
that in everything give thanks. That's a command. And this this one again, um, in, in Ephesians, in, in all things, for all things, give, give thanks. It's a command. It doesn't depend on our happiness or our hormones. We give thanks. And we give thanks for everything. I mean, that's the totality of life. It's not only my innermost spirit, it's not even just my body, but it involves my possessions, my work, my everything, everything that makes up my world, the totality of it. It involves how then we look at all of our life. Think about that. How we look at all of our life is now governed by our heart that is choosing to give thanks to the Father. So it means our attitude. You know what that is? When you get up in the morning and face the day, your attitude the way you look at your co-workers and the persons of your family and your attitude, how we look at life, our attitude toward life and persons, or another word that would come into play would be worldview. That's how you interpret the whole of life. That's the color of the glasses through which you look at life. It comes out of our mouth by how we speak of events, how we talk about what's happening to our neighbor, how we answer when someone says, uh, how is your day, and we've got time to tell them. It's, you know what I mean? It's that worldview I heard of someone the other day, tragic person they must be, because they said that as they got up in the morning, the whole day was black and bad, and it had to convince this person that really it was light and good. Sort of the day had been pronounced guilty until it could prove itself innocent. Well, what? You, you look at the day and you anticipate bad. You look at the day and you anticipate things going wrong. Well, that's what I mean about attitude. How do you look at the day? How do you look at what's happening? How do you look at it and perceive it when... To your mind, it's all going wrong now. Well, how do you do that? You see, they said of Peter, do you remember when he was in the courtyard of the high priest and and he opened his mouth and the servant girl said, your speech betrays you. Do you. Do you remember that? See, Peter, like Jesus, came from the Galilee, which is 70 miles north. And... They were now in the courtyard of the high priest in Jerusalem. And the Jerusalem folk, they spoke uh, the way they spoke. But up north there in the Galilee, they had a very distinct accent. Uh, it, It would be sort of 
Yeah, it would be peasant accent, accent of the fisher folk, accent of the shepherds, you know. And when they came down to Jerusalem, they stood out like a sore thumb. It would be, you know, when, when I remember when I brought my father over here for a visit and, and we were in a, a grocery store and he was talking to me in the checkout line and when they came to check us out, the person checking uh, looked at my father and said, so where are you from in England? And he looked at me, my dad did, and he said, how did he know I come from England? Yeah, my speech betrays you. Uh, and and we, we, we can't get away from that. The giving of thanks in the way we look at life, in how we speak of life, our attitude to life and people, it is, shall I say, the dialect of the new creation. It's the dialect of the new covenant. It's the way we speak. It gives us a way. You get yourself in the middle of a group of people who can only see as far as their flesh and feelings. Well, either you keep your mouth shut because you have nothing to talk about with them, or when you do talk, they all stop talking and look at you Weird, because your speech has betrayed you, you see. That's giving of thanks. You've got a heart turned to the Father, and you are giving thanks in a million different ways. I don't mean that you're just going around saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It's the way you talk about life. It's always in the light of that He is love. He is good. Also, um, it limits your conversation because everything, where he says, in everything give thanks, for all things give thanks. Uh, if you analyze those words, I mean, even in English, the everything and all things, uh, they are is. I mean, they are is now. Um, it, it's, it's not a future in the fantasy of what if this happens? That is, what if this becomes part of all things? Well, what if, but what if means it isn't, and it may not. It could be, it might be, I might wish it be, but it is not until it is. And so, in everything, it covers what is. Not a fantasy future where all my anxiety and fears are born. Have you noticed that? All your anxiety is about something that is future from this present moment. Um, and so your, your life of fear and anxiety is birthed in some unknown future and then invades you from the future like some hideous alien to terrify you of something that doesn't even exist. And, and no, I give thanks to the Father for what is, what is. I give thanks to Him for the concrete reality of the now. I might also say giving thanks interprets, or shall I say better, reinterprets my past. 
Because if I live with the liar and unthankfulness, I will have a whole woodshed full of fuel for complaint and misery when I look back to the past. If only this, if only that, what if this, what if that, and so on and so on. But to look back in giving of thanks, you will see that every step you have taken has actually been guided by your Father and has led you to this present moment of fellowship with Him. Mind you, we do prepare for tomorrow. We don't deny tomorrow. But we prepare for tomorrow by now giving thanks to who he is and who he is is who he ever will be and therefore we we prepare mentally for tomorrow by recognizing that he is the father who never changes whose love is immovable unchangeable and all that he is today he shall be tomorrow and so our giving of thanks strengthens us prepares us for whatever the future may hold I think many of you have heard me talk at length on Psalm 23 and in Psalm 23 you have one of the best examples of how David prepared for a very dark future. It hadn't happened yet, but he looks into the future and he says, even though, that's sort of our modern way of saying what if. And as I say, what if is dangerous territory because you're going to launch into what isn't fantasy but but david is going to do it the proper way he's going to show us how faith looks at the future he says even though that if it comes to that even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death if it comes to that if it comes to that we're not there yet but but if it comes to that Then he gives thanks to the Father, the Father who is right now. And David knows even though circumstances hit rock bottom, he will never change. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Did you notice he didn't say you will be with me? He says you are with me. And if you are with me, all that you are, you will be. But I'm only dealing with the present and that takes care of my future. Does that make sense? I hope so. Do you remember that prophet, little book in the Old Testament? Very few people read it. Many can't even pronounce it. Habakkuk. But but he was living in a day when life as he had known it as a boy was collapsing. 
collapsing all around him. And the threat on the horizon was things are getting worse by the second. And that's really what the book is about, how he argues and debates with God over that. But his summation, okay, I'm living in these perilous times. I'm living when everything that we have called the people of God is on the verge of collapse. When Jerusalem is about to be taken and all the glorious covenants and all the promises to David look as if the whole lot's going to be smashed underfoot by people who neither care nor believe. What shall I do? And here he says, only he doesn't say it quite the same as David. He says, though. And see, David said, even though. Habakkuk, verse 17 of chapter 3 says, though. It's the same thing. It hasn't happened yet. But he says, though. If it comes to this, that the fig tree may not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vine." Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall. That is not just great poetry. That's written by a, a man who is... What he'd do well here in Texas. He he's a his rancher, a redneck, if you like, and his entire livelihood depended on the harvest of the figs, and and, and the grapes, and the olive tree, and, and all the wheat and the barley that was in the fields and the flocks and the herds, that was life in this agricultural society. And he says, because if what he's seeing coming, and the Babylonians are going to come, and and as they come, they're going to strip the harvest away, and they're going to take the herds, and he's looking out now upon this possibility of a landscape stripped of all their fruit and their flocks and their herds. It meant, well, it's over, isn't it? I mean, there's starvation, and what's he going to say? Yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. There you have it. I look through and I see God. But I don't go into that future and become suffocated with anxiety. I rather take my relationship with the Father now that He is love. He is my provider. He is my protection. And declare that whatever tomorrow holds, even as if I'm pretty certain of it, whatever it is, I will joy in my God now. And in that day, I'll have the strength to joy in him in the same way, for he never changes. So you say, I say, in everything, 
In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. The, let me put it this way. There are days when we are blessed and we need to be reminded in such a day, give thanks. See, every commentary that I open to see what they said about this, they, they all zero in on praising God when things are bad. Well, of course, that's true, and we've got to face that. <coughs> but what about when days are good? <coughs> what about the days when we're blessed? Do you realize that many believers totally forget to give thanks to God on days that are good? That, that's strange. The hand of God is all over us. His fingerprints are all over your life. And yet we we forget or don't even see the need of giving thanks to God when those blessings are pouring upon us. Some are so blind they don't even see them as blessings. At times I hear people say, what a coincidence when something happens that brings a long-sought, desirable life to pass. And they say, what a coincidence. Do you realize the word coincidence is not in the Bible? As far as God's word is concerned, there is no such thing as coincidence. So get rid of that one. I hear many believers talk about chance. There's no such thing as chance. Or when some person blesses you. I mean, they treat you in a way that you certainly didn't expect. And I've heard believers say, well, that was so nice of them. Well... (laughs) There's a lot more than niceness of people going on in your life, you know. There there is a God ever-present who has put his blessing upon you. Recognize it in the little things. Recognize it. And, And when other things happen, you talk as if it was all up to your ability. Now, I I don't want you to go around saying, you know, it's not me, it's the Lord, as if you're a non-person. But do recognize that it wasn't simply your wisdom, it wasn't just your power. That there is a God who loves you, that is ahead of you, beside you, behind you, under you and over you, and he blesses you, blesses you. And in everything, give thanks. Remember God when the days are good. Remember God when the blessings flow. Remember, they all flow from him. And it's because of this that Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Why does it say that? Because every one of us are liable to forget his benefits and not to go through life giving praise to him. We take him for granted. 
that this devilish entitlement mentality that is corrupting at least the USA somehow gotten into believers that they feel they're entitled to the love of God. God's love for you is real, but it is total gift. We have done nothing to deserve, and yet he gives himself away to us. Forget not all his benefits. Our problem is we do forget his benefits and remember all our pain. Again, listen to yourself talk. Listen to yourself think. But then, in the hurtful day, when what we had anticipated actually does come to pass, the hurtful day, the unwanted experience, or when life is just not going, it seems that there's no oil in the machinery of life and and we feel frustrated. It seems every door we push is locked against us. And we're confused. We don't know what's going on. When we began to plan this pathway, it all seemed so right. And now, it's so confusing. And so we pray. Pray that doors open. Pray that things change. And and the burden only gets the heavier. In everything, give thanks. I've not counted how many times the Bible commands us to pray. But I can tell you this, that however many times it tells us to pray, it is ten times more that it commands us to praise. Think about that. When we began the head of this program, do you remember I said that giving thanks to God is the highest form of faith and the highest form of service to God? I didn't say prayer. Now, please don't misquote me. I'm not saying don't pray. But I am saying that prayer must lead you into thanksgiving. I am saying, in fact, the highest form of prayer is when petition moves to praise and thanksgiving. Think about that. There are times when we run out of prayer. Yeah, I'm being very honest now because I know this happens to you. You you pray and you pray and then it, it, you're praying through molasses. It, you, the, what else can you say? And, and you are praying for the strength to pray. You've prayed about this thing for so long. Well, I believe it is time to move into giving thanks. For giving thanks becomes the highest form of receiving from God. Because what do we say? 
when we give thanks, we, we have said, in effect, I have laid this matter before you. And because you are the God who is loved, because you are the Father, provider, protector, you are the one who guarantees by your own self to be the answer to this prayer, then I will praise you and I will give you thanks all the day long. Yeah, I've just remembered a text, a couple of texts. In the Psalms, um, David said he, he rose to pray three times a day. But elsewhere he said that he rose to give thanks to God seven times a day. I mean this, prayer, if just, that's it, just prayer, you can become stuck. But as you give praise to God, giving him thanks, then you rise above the circumstance. You ascend into heavenly places. You know, it it says there, uh, we read it many times already, Ephesians 5, where it says, give thanks for all things. It's a difficult text. Give thanks for all things. And I'm not going to go into it at this point in any more just than to report it. Nor am I going to argue with the translators of the scripture. But the actual word that's used there is better, in my opinion, and elsewhere through scripture, translated above. So it would be in all things give thanks, but also in giving thanks rise above them. And that is exactly what happens when you give thanks. You move above them. And and so you give thanks above all things. You are not allowing life as it is happening to you and you feel right now that it's rolling over you. You do not allow that life to crush you. You rise above it by giving thanks and praise to God. And as you give thanks and praise, you rise above it. See, when David felt overwhelming weakness in his ability to face life, his prayer became giving of thanks and saying, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my refuge, and so on. You understand that was giving of thanks. He was declaring, this is who God is. I don't feel like it. I don't see it with my mortal eyes, but it is the truth, and I declare it. That's giving of thanks on a tough day. And David, back to Psalm 23. I mean, he, he if, if you followed our series when we did that, when, when his own son is seeking to kill him, when everything is against him, his own people have hounded him out of town, and he's a fugitive king, unwanted by the majority of the people who have been hoodwinked and lied to by smooth-talking Absalom. And at such a time, with his life in the balance, he says, this is giving of thanks. The Lord is my shepherd. 
See, he's moved beyond petition. He's not saying, oh, God, please be my shepherd. I'm in terrible trouble. He's giving thanks and says, you, you is, you are my shepherd. And therefore, he gives thanks. I shall not want. Do you see what I'm saying? You do lead me in paths of righteousness. It didn't look like it right then. But David said it is so. And that psalm moves to the crescendo. Surely goodness and your loving kindness shall relentlessly pursue me all, 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 all the days of my life. Didn't look like it, but it was giving of thanks. Let, let me challenge you. The, the things that you are praying concerning right now that are becoming a burden intolerable, the things that you are praying for right now that you only seem to get deeper into the mire, would you, until we meet again next week, would you, instead of asking, would you turn to giving thanks to God that he is in his very being the love, the provider, the protector, whatever it is that you are asking for, realize he is that, then begin to give him thanks that he is that. And fill your day. Use your car to shout his praise. I think you're going to see a breakthrough. Like David in Psalm number 3, which was written basically at the same time as Psalm 23. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Where he says, and he reports the truth, many there be that say of my soul that there's no hope for him in God, he said, they're all saying I'm finished. And then he introduces, but. And I, I think I said it back there a few weeks ago. When you introduce but into a, a sentence, what you say after the but is what you really believe. It's an interesting idea. He says, but you, O Lord. See, there it is. They are saying this. They are saying that. Look at the circumstances I'm in. But you, O Lord. He's, he's giving thanks. You are my glory. You are a shield about me. You are the lifter of my head. That's giving of thanks. He's thanking God. I know what they're saying. I know what it looks like. But I know you are unchanging. And you are my glory. You are the shield around me. You are the lifter of my head. It is not for nothing that in Philippians 4, where Paul is speaking of anxiety, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. And what is so often missed out is the next phrase, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. He doesn't say pray. He says, yes, you make your request, pray, but do it with thanksgiving. If you do not continually 
interweave your prayer with thanksgiving, you'll end up praying your anxieties, praying your frustrations. You might end up blaming God. It has been done. But as we pray, we pray with thanksgiving, giving thanks to God that he is the God who has committed himself to be involved in the minutiae of our life. That's who he is. When you pray for others, let me introduce you to doing the same thing. Have you noticed, when, whenever Paul wrote to the believers, so many times, I'm not going to say every time, I, I'm thinking as I'm talking, uh, but so many times, uh, it writes at the beginning of every epistle, he, he says that, um, first of all, he gives thanks to God for them. And many times, something specific that's in their life, and he gives thanks to God for that. Then he said, and I'm praying for you, and then tells them when he's praying for them. When you pray for others, give thanks to God that that person you're praying for is beloved of the Father far more than you care about them. Give thanks. This person you are praying for, the desire of the Father for them is far greater than your desire. And so you can give him thanks for that person. Give him thanks that he's at work in their lives. It will change the way you pray for others. Mightily, radically change the way. And you see, praise, well, it opens me up. Yeah, I think that's the right word. It opens me up to who he is. I, I am declaring faith. My heart says this is the way you are. And I'm opened up to the reality of that. You see, complaining, which is in actual fact accusing God of not being all that he's cracked up to be, that it shuts my soul off from him. And so praise opens up to him, and, and I, I see now, I see a road through the fog. But also, I am now opened up so that he is now able to flow his salvation, his deliverance that I'm looking for right into my life. Look, you know the story, but just stop in the light of what we're talking about and think about it. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas have landed in Europe. It's the first time the gospel comes to Europe. And they go to the city of Macedonia, um, Philippi. And they're led to this lady. And everything is, I mean, it's, it's, if you can imagine, the very first believers in Europe, the beginning of the first church that ever was in Europe. And there's a confrontation with demonic powers. 
from the local demonic temple that pretty well controls the city. Paul casts a demon out of this girl. But that sparks a riot of the First Order, which brings Paul into direct confrontation with the Roman authorities. And so they take Paul and Silas and they whip them. Now, that's an unspeakable how they beat people in those days until your your back is ripped open. And then they would put salt on those wide open wounds. And then they took them and they twisted their arms into a position that would be screaming pain and they did the same with their legs and locked them in that position. That was punishment for starting a riot and upsetting the demon temple. And that ended that journey of of pain, hurt, injustice was to be put into the inside prison that is not where all the other chaps were but a prison inside the prison and with the blood and the bruises with their arms and legs twisted in agony and also with the knowledge see knowledge did I say well anything that they could perceive the church there is finished The Roman authorities will make sure of that. You've upset the authorities. So all their work has been futile. The best they can hope for is in a few days be thrown out of the city and forbidden to return. And all the believers had better go into hiding. Pretty sad situation. And at that time Paul and Silas began to give thanks to God and they transcended their cell they transcended their bloody bruises and lashes and twisted muscles they gave praise to God and they ascended in their praise to such an extent you could hear them through to the outermost part of the outermost prison. And as they sang praises to God, because God hadn't changed an iota, the Roman Empire couldn't make God less than God, and his purpose was unchanged, and therefore we do not look what is happening to us we look through it to you and we give praise to you and there was an earthquake and the whole prison fell apart but miraculously nobody was hurt except everybody somehow their chains fell off because of the earthquake the jailer comes and he's terrified he recognizes God here he's heard them talking and so he says what must I do to be saved the whole family comes to the Lord jailer takes Paul and Silas in and bathes their wounds and in the morning 
The town council has found out that Paul is a Roman citizen and they're beside themselves. If Paul reports this, we're finished. So they came and they begged him, please, please, leave our city. We're sorry for what happened. And Paul, in the wisdom of God, says, no, <laughs> I'm not good. No. And so he... He was in such a position that the church now has the protection of the town council. The demon temple has been shut up. Everybody now is on side of Paul and the church. Do you see what I'm saying? None of that. I, you can't rewrite that and say what would have happened if Paul and Silas had instead complained and moaned and accused God of forsaking them. No, I, you can't rewrite the story. There never would have been a book of Acts. This is what the Bible talks of, normal, normal Christian life. The opposite of all that, as I've been half saying all the way through, is complaint, complaining. Nobody's right. Nothing's right. It's complaint. It's the twin sister of anxiety. And inside complaint, there's always anger and accusing God. You let me down. You're not doing what you said. And sometimes we actually say it. Other times it's implicit. Maybe we're scared to say it. But it's there. That's the meaning of complaint. Complaint is to accuse God. And it's all wrapped up in whining self-pity. Poor me. I deserve better than this. That's the dialect of the flesh. And the giving of thanks is the dialect of the believer who walks in the heavenly places. Well, the time has gone. And I send you into your life for the next week to fill your life intentionally, deliberately with giving thanks to God. And why do I do that? Because it says in 1 Thessalonians 5... Pray without ceasing, yes, but in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. For one week you can do the will of God perfectly by giving thanks to God for all things. Amen. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who is worthy of all praise and all thanksgiving. Open your eyes, fill you with light, that you shall walk this week in heavenly places, giving thanks to him who is worthy. So I bless you, and so it is.